Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, everybody? February 9th edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Ferraro. You can catch me on social media online, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Showdown Joe. Uh, my Monday guest, generally speaking, is Adam Martin. Uh, he was feeling ill on Monday, so Sean Rossap did step in on short notice, and Adam is joining us today. He's still a tad under the weather, so please bear with him. No judging, because uh, he's still stuffed up. But uh, Adam, how are you, sir? Yeah, I appreciate that, Joe. Yeah, just, just a warning to listeners. I'm a bit stuffed up. Uh... I actually recorded my own podcast, MMA Review Podcast, yesterday. It was it was good, but I, I felt like you could hear me being a little stuffed up. So just a warning to the, to the listeners. That's that's what's going on right now. But uh, hopefully it'll be 100% in a few days. There you go. All right, guys, don't forget you can follow Adam Martin uh, on social media, MM Adam Martin, uh, for all kinds of different. He's a journalist in mixed martial arts, uh, obviously wonderful at social media, uh, and has some varying opinions. Uh, I agree with most of them, uh, if not all of them, but, you know, sometimes we disagree, and that's life. But we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Actually, right before uh, we came on the air, the news came out from Bellator uh, that Rory McDonald will be taking on Paul Daly, despite Rory McDonald's comments after Paul Daly called him out, or at least his social media stuff uh, with the funny laughter of Zach Galifianakis, but uh, it's a fight that's happening. And, uh, you know, Michael Page is pissed, but this is a fight that's happening now. Yeah, I like I like this matchup. It's a fun fight. Um, you know what? Paul Dean looked amazing in that last fight against Brandon Ward. Spinning elbow, flying knee, knockout. I mean, wh- when do you see that, really? That was a special knockout. Paul Daly's known for for those crazy knockouts. So I'm, I'm happy to see him back on a, on a regular schedule because he's had some periods of inactivity in his career. Um, but I'm mostly excited just to see Rory back in, in uh, Bellator for the first time. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not convinced he's shot, Joe. A lot of people are saying this guy's shot. Robbie Lawler took his soul. Wonder Boy took his soul. I'm not convinced by that, of that at all. Those are two of the top three fighters in the welterweight division. He did beat them. But guess who he beat, Joe? Guess who he beat? Tyron Woodley. He dominated him. He's the champion in the UFC right now. Guess who else he beat? Damian Maya. He's the guy everyone says is going to be the next champion. That's that's who Rory McDonald beat. This guy's an absolute beast. I'm not convinced he's Shaw. I think he's a lot left in the tank. I think he goes in there. I think he goes into London. I think he beats up Paul Daly, and he gets that title shot against Douglas Lima. And as far as Michael Page is concerned, just to touch on that quickly, I was I was a bit surprised they didn't book the Daly versus Page fight, but they must have other plans for him. I'm wondering now, they're going to sign Lorenz Larkin. Is that who they're going to bring in to fight Michael Page for a title shot as well, maybe? I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious to see. Or maybe he fights Douglas Lima. Maybe he just goes in there. Or maybe he gets another one of these stupid tune-up fights he keeps getting. I, I just want to see the guy fight a legit fighter. But it's, but I'm just happy they did book this fight. I know you're a big fan of Rory, just like me, Joe. So it's, it's nice to see him get an exciting matchup against a guy like Paul Daly who's going to go in there and stand and trade with him. Uh, it's interesting, I, I, the matchup itself. I mean, people, I've read it all. I've seen it all. Um, you know, Robbie Lawler took Rory McDonald's soul. Man, shut up, people. Get in there, and you do what Rory had to do to try and defeat Robbie Lawler. That is no easy task, uh, and twice. So uh, Robbie Lawler is a bad, bad man, and sometimes there's a fighter out there that has your number. Um, that, that, you know, Wonderboy Thompson fight, Whatever, it happened. Now, Rory's going to reset his career, reset it, and, you know, I think he's making more money now than he was when he was with the UFC, so that could be a bit more of a motivating factor. And let's not forget one thing, Adam. Rory McDonald is a different case. He's a special case in terms of he operates on a different frequency than the vast majority of fighters out there. I mean, if you've ever had a conversation with him outside of cameras and a microphone, you quickly realize that it's a bit different. Okay, he doesn't, you know, he he doesn't care about being the status quo. He doesn't care about being normal. He just, he, he I mean, you can even ask Faraz Zahabi. 
Rory's a different guy, okay? So and he's taking his career on a different level, on a different perspective. And he's going to make more money now, I think, with Bellator than he was with the UFC. And I listen, I can tell you right now, there are people in the old Zufa regime that simply did not like Rory McDonald. Okay, they, they weren't fans of his because he wasn't promoting his fights properly uh, or wasn't stepping up to do certain things or, you know, made it a bit difficult at times. That's his personality. And we've talked about it on this podcast on numerous occasions. Sometimes you need to make noise. Sometimes you need to sort of make headlines. Sometimes you've got to promote yourself more than what your promoter is doing it. But not every guy or girl is going to do it. And that's just the reality uh, of society. It's the reality of being human beings. Not everyone fits the mold like the Chael Sonnen, uh, like the, like the, um, uh, uh, Conor McGregor. I almost said Conor McDavid. Uh, Conor McGregor. But you know, do you get what I'm saying with that? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I definitely know what you're saying. Like, I met Rory in person, and he's he's very like stoic. He's very quiet. He's just like you say. He operates on a different wavelength. You know, I'm not going to go here go here and say that he has a great personality or anything, but it doesn't matter because guess what, Joe? He's a great fighter, and that's what we as, as a fan we want to see a guy who goes in the, in the cage and, and leaves it all out there. And, this guy had maybe the greatest fight in MMA history against Robbie Lawler. That was like two fights ago. He's had so many great fights in the UFC, so many great performances. The fight against Carlos Condit in Vancouver a few years ago, that was an amazing that fight. That was amazing. That was sick. That was a sick fight. And that was, I think that was the second fight in the UFC. So, I mean, this guy, is, he's fought everyone. He knocked out Mike Pyle. Like I said, he beat uh, Dave Maia. He beat Tyron Woodley. He's fought the Poos who. Now he's going to go to Bellator. Maybe he's going to fight guys that are a bit less of competition. But guess what? He's probably going to go in there win their welterweight title. And he says he wants to move up and fight for their middleweight title too. And they have a pretty awful middleweight division. So I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to have much of a problem winning that title either. So I think it's a really good situation for him, but I want to, I want to say quickly that I think the UFC is going to, going to regret letting him go. And I know you're saying Joe, there were people in the promotion that didn't like him. I don't think Joe Silver really likes his style to be honest with you. I don't think Dana White likes him. Actually, there is an interview with Dana White recently. I believe he's talking to TMZ and he said, Shot, you know, his nose is broken now, and we, we just don't think after that Robbie Lawler fight that he's going to be the same guy. That's why we let him go. Obviously, the money thing is a uh, consideration as well, but I don't think, like you said, they didn't, they didn't like the way he promoted fights. He was very quiet, didn't really say much. But again, at the end of the day, Joe, it's about going in there, putting on amazing fights. And when you look back at that card from a few years ago where he fought Robbie Lawler and also Conor McGregor fought Chad Mendes, which fight do you remember? You remember the Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald fight even though Connor was the one selling pay review because that was one of the greatest fights of all time. And this guy's going to have some great fights in Bellator and put him in there against a guy like Paul Daly, who you know is going to stand and trade in the pocket is going to be a really, really sick fight. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, what's your early synopsis? I know we don't, we haven't had a chance really to break this down, break this fight down. Uh, I think that reach factor for Rory is going to be fantastic. But Paul Daly, the fact that he's been active uh, and Rory technically has not been active, he's been on the sidelines training and getting ready. That's going to be a bit of a, a hinge for Rory. Uh, I do think Rory, some way somehow, pulls this out, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. Well. I don't think it's going to be like easy by any means, but I think he wins the fight. I think he's going to win a decision. And the thing that I like about this for Rory is this isn't a five round fight. This is a three round fight. He's been used to going five rounds in his last couple of fights. He just, he just got to go in for three rounds, win two of the three rounds, take home a 29, 20 decision. If not a 30, 27 decision, I think he's going to fight smart in this fight, use his range, uh, throw some volume, throw some leg kicks, throw some punches, Pick apart Paul Daly, and he's just got to watch out for that big uh, right hand of Paul Daly because obviously Paul Daly's got knockout power. Rory's chin, maybe that's one of his weaknesses. He's been knocked knocked out and knocked down a few times in his career, so he's got to watch out for that. But I, th- I think he wins the fight, Joe. I think he's going to get that title shot against Douglas Lima, hopefully, in the near future. This past weekend, UFC Fight Night Bermudez versus Korean Zombie went down in Houston Super Bowl weekend. Um... Up and down this card, I think it was a great card. Some really good fights, some interesting results, results that many of us were like, what? What just happened here? Um, and some results where you thought, well, that was supposed to happen, but it didn't really happen. It's supposed to happen that way. For example, uh, you know, Jessica Andrade against Angela Hill. We all thought there was going to be a finish in that fight. Well, no one told Angela Hill that. Um, you know, Felice Herring taking on Alexa Grasso. Grasso was supposed to use Felice Herring as a stepping stone. Well, 
Felice never got that memo. She never got that email. She never got that part of the script. Um, you know, Korean zombie is supposed to have ring rust, cage rust. Uh, and then we, I, you know, the lesson that I learned, Adam, is, you know, cage rust and ring rust. Uh, when I talk about it, when I bring it up, I better bring up the fact that it only happens in the second and third and fourth and fifth round. It doesn't happen in the opening round. His timing was off because he was getting tagged by Bermudez, uh, the Korean zombie was. Um, but his power was still there and his speed was getting better as the minutes or the seconds were going on in that fight. Uh, when you look at this card, who are your three stars pretty much? Well, obviously you have to go with Chan Sung Jung as, as the number one star. Uh, coming off that three-and-a-half-year layoff, coming into that fight with Dennis Bermudez, most people were picking Bermudez. I did pick Korean Zombie here. I, I did horrible my picks for this card. I went 6-6, six and six, so I'm not going to go too much, too much, but I did pick this one right. I really like this matchup for Korean Zombie just because Dennis Bermudez, he doesn't have a great chain. He gets into brawls. He doesn't use his wrestling, Joe. His wrestling is his bread and butter. Having said that, Korean Zombie did show some good takedown defense, so maybe the game plan changed for Bermudez on the fly, but... Korean Zombie looked really good after that first maybe minute or two where he kind of had to just get used to being in the ring again, being in the cage again, excuse me. Um, he looked great. He did get tagged a few times, but guess what? That's why we call him the Korean Zombie because this guy's got a crazy chain and he can take an incredible amount of punishment. So I thought that was a really nice knockout for him. Um, I've watched the knockout a few times. Bermuda's just left this lazy jab out and Korean Zombie slipped in through that beautiful uppercut. When was the last time we've seen an uppercut knockout like that? That was... That was special, man. So I was really impressed by him. Next guy I got I to gotta give a shout-out to here is uh, James Vick. I thought he looked really incredible against April Trujillo. James Vick's a really good fighter. He's also really big for that lightweight division. I believe he's 6'3", and he has one of the longest reaches in the division. He had a minor setback against Benil Darius, but being, being a guy like April Trujillo, who's a pretty damn good fighter, beating him at, at his own game, because Trujillo was the wrestler. He was supposed to be able to take down Vick. Guess what? Vick took him down. Vic got that Darce choke, looked great in that fight. And the other guy I want to give a shout out to is Marcel Fortuna. This guy, Joe, he weighed, he told the UFC he weighed 230 pounds. They called him on short notice, like a week's notice to fight Anthony Hamilton. He said, I weighed 230. Goes on the official scale on the weigh-ins, 210 and one half pounds. Anthony Hamilton weighs like two, 259. So there's a 50 pound weight disadvantage for this guy. But like like Felice Harry, he didn't get the memo. He was supposed to go in there and get knocked out. He went in there and knocked Anthony Hamilton out. And you know what? The most impressive thing was he actually suffered a really nasty cut over his eye early in that fight. And I thought the doctor might stop it because it's in Texas and those the doctors there are really sketchy. But he didn't stop it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. You're right. But, but the, the point was he looked impressive, man. It was a it was a walk-off knockout. I mean, once, who else does that besides Mark Hunt? He threw that huge right-handed at Hamilton's chin. Hamilton went falling down. If you watch the replay, he's like falling into the fence after. It was a brutal knockout. One that performs in the night bonus. So I, I would say those are my three stars, but there was a lot of good performances on this card, Joe. There was a lot of finishes. It was a, it was a pretty damn good card, I gotta say. If you look at the actual, um, for, for my three stars sort of thing, I, I look at it a little bit differently. Um, you know, I, I agree with the, obviously Korean Zombie and stuff like that. I just think that Angela Hill put on a spectacular performance, but Vulcan Uzdemir, Coming in out of nowhere, basically nowhere, no one heard of this guy. He comes in and takes out the number six uh, ranked light heavyweight in the division. I got to give props to him. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I'm looking at the rankings right now, Adam, and I'm taking a look at Chan Sung Jung. He is now at number nine. Dennis Bermudez drops down to number 11. Uh, what is next, do you think, for for the Korean zombie? Obviously, with Du Ho Choi, they are talking about that Korea show, the Korea show. Uh, what do you think is next? And who, who would you like to see him take on next? Well, first of all, I did take a look at the rankings, I believe, yesterday. And I do think that Korean Zombies ranked a bit low, to be honest with you. I think he should be about six or seven. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why a guy like Yair Rodriguez, although he's really good, don't get me wrong, I'm not sure why he's above Korean Zombie. Korean Zombie's proven himself in this division. I know he had a long layoff, but he should be a bit higher. So I think he fights a guy in the top five next. I'd like to see him fight Cobb Swanson. I think that'd be a sick fight, man. And we had went back to the last card in Toronto, UFC 206, Korean Superboy was Cobb Swanson. Now he fights the Korean zombie. Cub Swanson's on his little Korea tour. <laughs> I think that's the main event of the Korea card. Because Dana White said him and Ari Emanuel want to do a card in Korea. That's your main event right there. Five rounds, Cub Swanson versus Korean zombie. And then you put Korean Superboy in the co-main event. You put Dong Young Kim on the card. Both Dong Young Kims. Um, some of the other Korean, South Korean fighters. That's probably the best country in Asia right now as far as producing MMA talent. There's some really good fighters coming out of there. So I um, was really impressed by him. But I, I'd love to see him fight uh, Cub Swanson. 
in terms of, of the Asian talent, don't sleep on Japan just yet, because uh, I'm telling you right now, there are some spectacular fighters being developed over there right now. Just take a look at some of the Ryzen cards, and there's fighters aren't, that aren't even on the Ryzen card that I get to see that are just, they're going to be something else. I think uh, that whole Japanese scene is going to be completely separate once again. Uh, I don't know... I mean, I think it's it's almost like we're going back to the pride days pretty much where the, the vast majority of, of Japanese fighters are going to stay in Japan and compete um, in their own country uh, and not really go international unless that's their only option. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, I, when you mentioned that Dana White and Ari Emanuel want to have a show in Korea, uh, it sort of goes against what many of us have been hearing uh, or thinking or wondering. You know, because the UFC apparently is is going to stop all these international shows and do more of a focus on their North American shows, even perhaps not even doing many Mexico shows, uh, doing the odd international show here. There, have you heard anything other than this Korea situation where the UFC is thinking of actually continuing their international penetration of various markets, even Russia, um, um, Germany, and stuff like that? Well, what I heard last year was they were going to cut down the amount of events to like thirty five. But then just uh, last week, it was announced that they're doing 41 events this year. So they, they, they're going to have cards outside of uh, North America. And to me, Joe, that's, that's too many cards, if you ask me. I think it does dilute the product when there's that many cards. I, was, I thought 35 was a good number for them. So 41's a lot, and they have to find new markets. Um, maybe a country like Germany, I know they've had some successful cards there in the past. Maybe they won't go there. But they're looking at a guy like Korean Superboy and Korean Zombie. They're looking at guys like that. Those guys have star power right now. They want to make money. It's just money fights, Joe. That's all they want to do, make money. Wherever they can make money, they're going to go. If they think Yair Rodriguez can headline a car in Mexico, they will go back there. If not, they won't go back there. They'll just throw them in, in a card in, in the United States. Um, I just hope that they don't uh, cut out Canada. I know there's supposed to be a, a pay-per-view rumored to be in Edmonton in, I believe, August or September. So that's good news. But um, I, I, originally, I thought they were just going to cut Canada out completely. Remember, they fired... Uh, all the Canadian staff from the Canadian office. And I thought that was it for Canadian events. So maybe they, they're having a little bit of a uh, change of mind, but um, you know, it'd be nice if Ari Emanuel and, and, and the other owners would come out and say, this is where our game plan is. Like they, it's just weird how they're refusing to talk to media. Like you don't see that in any other sports. Like you see the owners and the general managers and, and management come out and talk to the media and say, this is what we want to do because you don't want those unanswered questions. These guys are obviously good business people, but uh, this is a different sport, Joe. You know how this sport is. The, the relationship, relationship between the fans and the promotion and the and the company is is a lot stronger in this sport than in other sports. It's MMA is built on the the uh, the fans pay, pay, buying the fights, paying to watch the fights, and that's a lot different than other sports. And I think a lot of fans. I speak for a lot of fans and media members when I say it'd be nice if these owners would come out and say, "This is what we want to do. We can, we're happy to answer any questions." Because so, so far they haven't said anything. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. I think you're bang on with that assessment. In terms of what happened in Canada and will they continue in Canada, uh, it's tough to say. Um, they didn't get rid of everybody in that Canadian office, and I'm going to choose my words carefully because obviously I'm biased and, and, and I was affected uh, by some of that decision-making from the previous regime. Um, did I celebrate with some champagne when I got the news that some of them were released? Maybe. Um, but there are some that are still there, uh, and... Hopefully the new UFC regime realizes that there should be a full change. There should, there should be some changes in Canada. Um, yeah, listen, man, I'm yeah. pissed off. You know I'm pissed off. I think the whole world knows I'm pissed off the way it all went down. So it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm calling bullshit where I see it. And, you know, when I, when I got the news that some of them were released, too bad. Karma. You have a lot closer relationship with, with uh, most of the office than I did. I only know a few people there, but um, I, I just don't like seeing people lose jobs. However, when a new co- when a new owner buys a company, there's going to be changes. So I thought, you know, we knew something was going to come. Anyways, what's next, Joe? Uh, I don't care that they lost their job because they cost me mine. Um, let's see here. Felice Herrick. I want to know what you think should be next for Felice Herrick because clearly as a veteran, um, you know, people thought that she was – Eh, she's a gatekeeper. You know, Alexa Grass is going to take her out. But you know what? I think she was very impressive in that fight, obviously emerging victorious. And she made a statement. Listen, man, I want Karate Hottie or I want Paige Van Zandt. And personally, I got no problem with either one of those boats. Yeah, no, I, 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 I called her gatekeeper myself. Now, I did say that she was going to put up a more competitive fight than most people thought. But I didn't think she'd win that fight. So to see her go in there and basically beat Grass at her own game was 
damn impressive. She's a good fighter, Joe, and she has a lot of experience. She's been fighting Muay Thai fights for like 10 years now, and she, she used to fight in Bellator. I think, I think she was in their first tournament with uh, Carlos Barza, I believe. So um, I'm looking at the rankings right now. She's ranked number 12. I, I, Paige Van Zandt makes sense to me. I mean, she's number 10, right? So that, that's fine with me. Marina Moroz, any of these fighters, really, I'm fine with any of them. Um, even even you could even throw her in there with someone like Carolina uh, Kovalevich. I'd be fine with that fight too. I think that the weight over Grosso does push her up in the division. She's she's three and one now in the UFC. Um, although actually, I not remember back now. She did fight Paige Van Zandt. She did lose a pretty dominant decision. Although maybe it will go differently in the rematch because Paige isn't hasn't been looking that good lately. But uh, yeah, pretty much anyone in the top ten I think is fine for her. Even Jessica Aguilar, whenever she gets back, she's a top top contender. So. Any of these, any of these girls. Jessica's funny. Jessica Aguilar is funny. I've had her with uh, sitting next to me and, and Kamar Usman during some of the Titan shows. Woo! Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, she's one hilarious girl, and um, she takes shots at me all the time. Whenever we're, uh, after shows, before shows, and I can tell you, Adam, gangster. She's funny. Uh, don't mess with her. I can tell you that right now. She's hilarious. Um, I want to go back to Bellator for one second because there's so much talk. You said you mentioned Lorenz Larkin. Uh, obviously, there's Misha Serkinov, uh, who's no longer on the UFC roster. We're trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, Ryan Bader. Um, Sean Ross Sapp has mentioned it many times in the show. Don't F. Don't F with Viacom. Now, we know Viacom is, is changing Spike TV over to Paramount uh, or changing the, the Paramount station or something like that. So there's going to be some changes there. But... You look, take a look at what Bellator is doing. Are they are they slowly but surely making some changes and pulling guys from the from the UFC roster or the are are fighters from the UFC roster realizing, hey, you know what? There's a there's options. If I'm not going to be competing for a title in the UFC, I better make some more money if I'm going to fight. Yeah, I think fighters are finally starting to realize there's more money out there than what the UFC's been paying them for all these years. Um, that's one of the nice changes since the UFC's uh, been sold is that fighters, I think, are finally realizing their worth after the company was sold for $4.2 billion. So that's a good thing because I know you're like you're just like me, Joe. You're a pro fighter. You want the fighters to get paid more money because guess what? The fighters are the ones in the cage doing all the work, and they're the reasons we watch. We're not watching for Dana Way. We're not watching for these owners. We're watching to see these guys compete. Um, I think Bellator signing Ryan Bader was a great signing for them. That's a really smart signing, if you ask me. Um, I'm just curious to see what the contract details are like, not just money-wise, but also like the details of it. Because remember, when Gilbert Melendez signed his offer sheet with Bellator a few years ago, they said, you know what, we're going to sign you this big contract. But you get an automatic title shot, Gilbert. And the UFC, when they matched the contract, they had to give him that title shot against Anthony Pettis. So I'm curious to see if Ryan Bader is getting an automatic title shot against Phil Davis. I'm assuming that's, that's the reason. And I'm thinking maybe now... Maybe that's why UFC was like, mm, I'm not, we can't match that because we want John Jones to come back and fight for the title in this next fight. So we can't match that part of the contract. Um, but it's just weird how they will let a guy like that go. He's a top five guy in the light heavyweight division. Light heavyweight sucks. And this guy has back-to-back knockout wins over Little Nog and Ilya Latifi. He's won seven of his last eight fights. Only lost to Rumble Johnson. Ryan Bader's a beast. He's actually improving at this point. So he's good. Um guy like Lorenz Larkin, I think, makes a lot of sense there as well. Misha Serkinov, too. Now, the one thing I want to say is, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, show, these are offer sheets that they're they're signing, the fighters are signing. The UFC has the right to match. That's what we have to keep remembering. So Bellator can offer them some enough money. Maybe they can make a bigger offer than, than uh, the UFC wants to pay, but the UFC ultimately does have that right to match. So it's up to them if they want to match or not. They let Ryan Bader go. They let go of uh, Phil Davis last year. They let go of a few other guys. I think it'd be a massive mistake if they let go of Misha Serkinov, though, because, like I said, light heavyweight sucks, and this guy is on the rise right now. He's destroying everyone in his path. And guess what? We need Canadian stars, Joe. We need someone who's going to be a superstar. This guy, you were there, Joe, at UFC 206. When he went in there and beat Nikita Krylov and got on top of the cage and screamed out to his fans in Toronto, that was one of the loudest loudest moments of the whole night, and that was a crazy card. So this guy could be a superstar. He can headline cards in Canada, I believe. They have to get him back. But if I'm Bellator, if I'm Scott Coker, I'm calling him Misha Serkinov and saying, this is what we're going to offer you. We want to get you in Bellator. Let's see what the UFC says now. So when you analyze a guy like Misha Serkinov and you take a look at what he can bring to the table for the UFC, I think we also have to look at the fact that under the new ownership with the Ultimate Fighting Championship, what is their priority? Who are their priority? Now, Conor McGregor obviously is considered a priority, um, but he's not American. 
he's Irish, so he can own that Irish market single-handedly and do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, whenever, if they choose to have another show there. Um, I think in terms of looking at some of these fighters, I'm, I'm not saying they want to be pro-American uh, because they're American-based, but you take a look at a guy like Misha Serkinov. Now, we are Canadian. You and I are Canadian. We're looking for that next George St. Pierre. I think we're, we're um, you know, the, the, the best guy right now would be Elias Theodoro, who obviously is, you know, podcast with me on Wednesday or Tuesdays here. Uh, he's got superstar written all over him. Uh, and he's one of those guys that can can sort of bust out into that mainstream uh, with the whole hair thing. I mean, he's got a he's got a sponsorship with Perp Plus, and there's more coming uh, from Elias Theodore, to my understanding. So we do have one guy, and he wants to compete on every Canadian card. He wants that mantle. He wants that torch to be passed from George Saint Pierre to him. Now you look at a guy like Misha Serkinov. He's a bit different. He's more reserved. Uh, you know, he's definitely a handsome guy. Uh, you know, I, I know his wife personally, um, not on a personal level, but just I know her. Uh, and I've been around Misha for quite some time. Uh, is he a ladies' man? Well, the ladies look at him and think, you know, he's a sexy guy. Uh, is he a badass? Yeah, he can kick some ass when he gets into the octagon. So there's another guy that has that perfect sort of, hey, he can get out there, but he just needs that personality. He needs to push a bit more. Uh, is there, a, you know, the accent, the language barrier? So when you look at the UFC, you start thinking about who they want as stars in what countries? Do they want stars in countries outside of the U.S. and continue to make this an international brand? Or if they are sort of bringing everything back in to the United States, do they really want people outside to be, you know, to be their stars? They want to focus more on their American stars, their American fighters. I mean, it, it, it's interesting to, to think about, but what do you think they want? I mean, yeah. bottom line, a star is a star? Or is it, you know, if we can get an American star versus a Canadian star or an Irish star or whatever star, Russian star. Sure. You, know? you want stars from the countries that you're targeting for your events, but you need depth too. You need depth in these divisions. You, can, you just can't have two fighters, two or three guys. That's what a lot of people keep saying to me. Well, Ryan Bader was going to win the title anyways. Who cares? Maybe he wasn't. You need more than three guys. You can't just have DC Rumble and Jones fighting each other every single card. You need other guys. Misha Serkinov is a guy that I believe does have superstar potential because I think he does have a good personality when he does open up. When he's when he when he had that fight over uh, against Krylov in, in Toronto, the way he went and opened up to the fans on the mic, that was incredible. And he went out there and he called his own shot and he said, "I want to fight Shogun." And you know what the UFC did? They said, nah, we're going to give John Vellante to Shogun instead. For fucking no – sorry, Joe, I'm so angry about that. No <laughs> fucking reason, though. Why? Why did they give John Vellante that fight when Serkinov said, I want to fight Shogun? He beats Shogun. He gets put on the map. That's when he gets a top five fight. That's when he goes in there and fights a guy like Glover Teixeira, who's fighting Jared Cannonier. Why did Jared Cannonier get that fight? Why did Misha not get that fight? He's on a four-fight win streak. Anyways, I'm just a little bit upset, upset about this just because I, I think he was getting paid like 10 and 10 in his first couple of fights or 12 and 12 or something. They could probably offer him 25 and 25 or maybe 30 and 30, and I think that's what he would take, even though I believe he's worth a lot more than that. And to me, that's cheap, if anything. Like this guy, in my opinion, should probably be paid 50 and 50, if not more. Because I do think he sell tickets, especially in Toronto. I think the UFC's kind of blown it in Toronto too, Joe. Like they've only come back what, what once in the last three years. They could do a fight night show at Rico Coliseum. They don't need to come to ACC, if you ask me. They don't need to do twenty thousand seats. They can go to Rico and do ten thousand and have Misha Serkinov in the main event against Shogun. That's a main event right there. And then co-main event, Elias Theodoro against I don't know, um, like Rafael Natal or Tim Boach or something like that. That could be a co-main event. The UFC, I'm not sure what they're thinking, Joe. I really wish I could get to the brain of Ari Emanuel to see what they're thinking. Now, having said that, these guys are a lot smarter than I am. They're billionaires, so they know what they're doing. But they're not – they didn't make their money in MMA, and I feel like they, they're making some really ill-advised decisions right now. If they let Misha Serkinov go, that's going to be a massive mistake, and it's just going to make Bellator stronger. And I want to say that the UFC is a lot better than Bellator is, but – I have been really impressed by what Belter is doing, and I've been impressed by Scott Coker, Rich, too. These guys are good talent evaluators, Joe. You look back at Strikeforce, Joe, how many of those guys in Strikeforce were champions there, and how many are in champions in the UFC now? A lot of them. Luke Rockle, Daniel Cormier, Jacques Ray, uh, uh, Ronda Rousey. All these guys are, and girls came from Strikeforce. They came to the UFC. Alistair Overeem, you know what I mean, for, for Doom. The UFC would be nothing without those guys that Scott Coker brought up and, and promoted. So um, I, I'm, I've been impressed by Bellator lately, and I'm just really curious to see what the UFC is going to do because they have a lot of free agents right now. And another guy we didn't talk about is a guy like Rick Story, for instance. And Rick Story is not an amazing fighter, but guess what? He was ranked like eighth in the welterweight division. Are they, are they just going to let him go now because they think he's shot or something? It's, it's very strange to me. Um, but – yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if you want to dissect 
the errors the UFC has made in Canada. Um, fortunately, uh, again, I'm a little biased, but it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science where they made those errors, when they made those errors, how they made those errors, and how those employees are no longer with the UFC. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll see what happens as the future goes on. And I've always been told this is an industry television-wise. Uh, you know, there's ups and downs, ups and downs. So, uh, and I can assure you that I believe that, that they're in a down right now. Uh, the UFC is in Canada. Uh, they were, there was an up at one point, you know, 55,000 people yep. at the Rogers Center. Okay. You know, it's just crazy that it peaked then, Joe. I thought that was the beginning. I really did. But this went like, it was like this. For, it was like this in Ontario, right? Nothing. Nothing, and then like this, and then it was like this, and then like this, and then it's like this now. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. It should be like this. Now, I want, but I will say that I do blame the Ontario Athletic Commission as well as part of that because the fact that they charged the, such high fees, you, they had to get rid of score fighting series. They couldn't afford to have these events. You can't develop these uh, talented guys in Ontario. But at the end of the day, the UFC has so much freaking money, and they can have these events anytime they want. And the fact they did one event in Toronto in the last three years and that they don't have an event for Toronto – this calendar year really blows my mind. I mean, Edmonton's, I think, is a really good market, but what about Toronto? What about Toronto? How could you not have another card there? What should be once a year in Toronto? Uh, I'm in, at the moment, uh, I am in no position to speak publicly uh, of, of certain things, uh, but I assure you when the time comes, uh, when I'm in a better position, oh, believe you me, uh, I will let some stuff out of the bag. Um, yeah, the Canadian market, is what it is right now and hopefully it'll improve. And, you know, uh, I think I've proven my own track record of how to make it successful or help them make it successful. Let me ask you one more question quickly. Um, like I said, the, the, the rumor is they're, they're going to go to Edmonton. So that's good. That was, the last time they went to Edmonton was actually WEC 49. I believe that was Mark Hominick against Yves of which was a <laughs> crazy wild fight. But what about Calgary? What about, I get people from Calgary, Messaging me on Twitter all the time, Joe, saying, when is UFC coming back? We've been waiting five years. Have you heard anything about Calgary, Joe? Nothing, eh? Well, no. I mean, what, what I tried to explain to the people in Calgary, even the day after that show, is – the so Dana White and the, and the regime in Canada never, ever specifically said this to me. But in speaking with them and then speaking with other people during that Zufa era, what happened in Calgary um, – <clears throat> Dana White saying, yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. We love Calgary, blah, blah, blah. The bad taste that they had in their mouth for that Calgary show leading up to it, yeah. it took place. And then the fallout afterwards, the sense that I got was, why in God's name would we ever return to a city that treated us like garbage and, and, and just ripped us apart the next day? When if you actually look at that Calgary card and go back and watch that card, it was freaking fantastic, with the exception of two or three bouts on the pay-per-view. Yeah, the pay-per-view okay. sucked. That's the thing. The premiums were awesome. Okay. Yeah. So the actual event, if you graded the event itself, it was actually worth your money. What wasn't worth your money was a couple of those fights or three of those fights in the pay-per-view, uh, or excuse me, on the pay-per-view. So the experience at the time that the UFC had in Calgary was so negative, was so bad. And I mean, I, the, the next day from when I woke up, Till I drove to the airport, I got the ride over to the airport. I was doing back to back to back radio interviews, trying to defend the card and saying, "You guys are like just out of your minds, local media. Like, what are you saying? Like, were you even there? Did you watch the fights? Did you hear the crowd roar in the prelims? Like, it's not the UFC's fault that guys kept getting injured. They tried to scramble and make the card as best they could." If I'm not mistaken, it was Uriah Faber and Hayna Barrow in, in the main event. I mean, looking back at that, that is a spectacular fight. And Uriah did everything he could to try to win that fight, despite Barrow, who at the time was in his prime, doing a fantastic job. So Calgary, in my opinion, um, you know, not, not the fans. Well, yeah, some of the fans, not all of them, because there's a lot of fans that really want the UFC to come back. But the UFC had such a horrible taste in their mouth from that experience in Calgary. It's like... like Hundreds and hundreds of, of, of postcards here, okay? It's like Calgary is just one. Yeah. Okay? Then we have so many different options of postcards that we could yeah. select here. Why would we go back to a city that treated us like absolute garbage no matter how hard we tried to make it successful? Hey, that's a good point. I, I, you know what? I think that the card was maybe criticized a bit too harshly because, like you said, the premiums my, – my memory is pretty good for MMA events. Um, Brian Carey fought uh, Mitch Gagnon, which was a great fight. 
Uh, that was incredible, that fight. Yes. The late Ryan Jimmo, rest in peace, Ryan Jimmo, he knocked out Anthony Peroche in seven seconds. Amazing knockout. He had the robot dance after. Everyone thought, wow, this, a star is born. Uh, Matt Riddle had a crazy fight against uh, Chris Clements. Crazy fight. But then you had the fight sucking everyone's life out, like Chia Congo against uh, Sean Jordan, which was a horrible fight. Uh, Tim Boach against Hector Lombard, which was <laughs> – that fight was supposed to be it was so bad. And then the main event, which was – not as bad, but it was pretty bad. So I can see why people like, – it's like it's it's like this, Joe. A lot of people don't watch the prelims like us. We're hardcore fans, and they only watch the pay-per-view. And those last three fights kind of sucked the life out of it. So I can understand that. But I think you make a really good point about how, like, you know, you have 100 options if you're, if you're the UFC. And in Canada alone, you have, like, 10 options. Why would you go back to a city that maybe the media, like you said, was a bit too harsh and – and uh, the backlash was a bit harsh, and people were asking for refunds and saying, "What, what kind of card was this?" And but I, I do, I do think though, like I have a lot of fans from Calgary that follow me on Twitter. I think that there are a lot of diehard, passionate fans there, and I do hope they get a card one day. Although for now, I guess they'll have to just make the drive to Edmonton and, and see that card instead. Yeah, and, well, listen, man, my, my time in Calgary actually was fantastic, and the amount of fans that I met there, uh, and I, I'm trying to remember what restaurant slash bar was down from the hotel we closed it every night because we would go in there for dinner and before you know it i'm me and uh, you know bobby t were, were uh, it was my former producer at the time or the producer that came with me um we were basically not mobbed but man we had drinks coming our way and appetizers coming our way we would, we would get there like seven eight o'clock at night just to have dinner and we're there till one in the morning just hanging out with fans so the calgary peeps the calgary ufc fans were absolutely fantastic and the same in vancouver uh, i've been to edmonton a few times absolutely amazing i just like the fact that now it's you know the ufc fans or or, or alberta fans are bickering with each other obviously if you know anything about hockey ladies and gentlemen there's it's called the battle of alberta edmonton uh, oilers versus the calgary flames which it's a game i've been to before uh, in edmonton now it's the UFC fans battle of Alberta, and Calgary's really ticked off that Edmonton is getting the show, and the Edmonton fans are like, we've never had a show, UFC show here. Shut yeah. up. Let us have this show. Well, Dana White told us here in Calgary that he's going to come back, and so it's kind of crazy. It's kind of weird. It'd be amazing to see Calgary fans actually go up and support it and go see it in Edmonton, which I'm sure uh, many of them will, despite the sort of hatred that they do have uh, between those two cities. But uh, I, you're right. You know, I mean, Calgary deserves, in my opinion, uh, another show, but like I said, the UFC experience there uh, was, was, wasn't was good. Like, I, I would love to go uh, and cover all of these UFC events in Canada. Heck, we got a Halifax show coming up. I missed that the first Halifax show only because that's when the UFC deal ended with Sportsnet and it went over to, a, to another network. So it kind of handcuffed me. I was never able to go. Now they're back there again. Still won't be able to go. Um, so, you know, you know, I miss those days when I could just travel or be flown out uh, courtesy of sports that to go cover these UFCs and promote these fighters and, and stuff like that. I mean, you wonder why there's actually, you know, the, the, the UFC isn't as loved as it was before. People don't know what's going on in Canada anymore. You know, it's just, if you're not hardcore, you're not here watching this podcast or, or online looking at all the different sites and getting as much information. You just don't know. You're just yeah. not able to see it. So it's not on mainstream television as much as it was before. So um, it is what it is. Now, uh, one fight that I recall, I think that was on television, and, and I might be wrong, was Junior DeSantos versus Stevie Miocic, their first bout. Or was it a pay-per-view? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Fox. Fox. You've seen Fox. I can't okay. remember, but yeah, it was. Well, that rematch will not be on Fox, nor will it be on free television. It is now the headliner for UFC 211, with also rumors uh, that Fabrizio Verdun will take on Ben Rothwell on that card. Uh, what do you think of that rematch, number one? Uh, dangerous fight for Miocic. Um, and number, well, it's still dangerous. And, of course, Verdun potentially against Rothwell. I like both the fights, to be honest with you. I think they're both good fights. Everything's bigger in Texas, right? you got to put the heavyweights on the cards. So it's a good main event. We've, like you said, we have seen the fight before. It's Junior and Stipe. Junior won a very close decision. It was like 48-47. Could have went either way. Um, he did a little bit more damage in that fight. But uh, you know what? Since then, Stipe has looked unstoppable. And Junior, he looked great against Ben Rothwell, Rothwell. But guess what? He also got knocked out by Alistair Overeem. So I love Junior. I've always been a huge fan of the guy. But you got to say he's on a somewhat of a decline right now in his career. He's taking so much punishment, so much damage. The guy's got an incredible chin, Joe. But look at the fights with Cain Velasquez, the second and third fights. It's amazing the guy was able to survive how, how long he did because he took a massive beat down both those fights. Um, Stipe, like I said, has looked great lately. Um, his chin is still a little, bit, a little bit questionable, if you ask me. Alistair Overham dropped him in that last fight. Um, but instead of going for ground and pound, he went for a guilty choke, and he didn't finish it, and then he got knocked out himself. So it's a little bit iffy there because Junior has big power. Having said that, 
I do kind of lean towards Stipe right now to win the fight just based on more activity, um, just he's looking a bit fresher as of late, and I think he doesn't have as much damage on him. So I, I'm kind of looking for Stipe to probably win a decision in a really close fight in what should be a war. And the Verdum and Rothwell fight is another great fight. Um, I, I did want to – I mentioned last week on the show, Joe, I wanted to see uh, Francis Ngannou fight Ben Rothwell, so that's not going to happen. So I'm curious to see who they give him. I wonder now, are they going to give him Cain Velasquez? Is that the fight they're going to make? I mean, that's to me, that's biting off a bit more than they, than he can chew at this point. But who knows, right? Cain's been out for so long now. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Verdum should beat Rothwell in that fight. He's just more well-rounded. Having said that, Rothwell's a dangerous guy, and he's got a good chin too, so he can make it uh, a dangerous fight for him. But I like that card so far. Those are two good fights, and I'm curious to see what else they put on there. Yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun fight. Now, speaking of fun fights, fun cards, uh, this Saturday, UFC 28 goes down, um, headlined uh, by a inaugural UFC Women's Featherweight Championship fight. We'll get to that momentarily. we got about five minutes, four minutes to go here, uh, but I want to go quickly through this card here to get your thoughts on a few different things. Uh, Nick Lentz versus Islam Makachev, that's going to be a... um, It's going to be a... War. I mean, if Makachev can sort of stay away from Nick Lentz, I think he does emerge victorious, uses his footwork, but this is going to be a clinch fight, in my opinion, and it's going to be ugly. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, most Nick Lentz fights are like that, so um, I expect a bit of a grinding affair. I think Makachev probably does win because I think he's a bit more well-rounded, but it's going to be pretty competitive. Nick Lentz always finds a way to make fights close, so. Wilson Heiss taking on Ulka Sasaki. I mean, if Wilson Heiss emerges victorious... This guy already had a title shot, Adam. Yeah. You got to feel bad for the guy. I mean, he got Demetrius Johnson and then he got taken away from him because they did that reality show. And then he fought uh, Hector Sonnefall and now he's fighting Alka Sasaki. It's like just stay busy fights for him. Wilson Hayes should run through this guy. Um, probably wins by stoppage, but he's he's kind of in a weird position right now because it doesn't seem like they want to do that uh, fight with him. It seems like they want to do Joseph Benavides against Demetrius Johnson in the third fight. So, Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. All right. Um, <laughs> opening up the pay-per-view card, first bout, Dustin Poirier taking on Jim Miller, Jim Miller in a lightweight affair. Uh, is it as much as J- Dustin Poirier wins this one early, Jim Miller wins this one late? I just think Dustin Poirier wins wherever. I just – this, to me, this is a mismatch. I know Jim Miller's on a nice little roll right now. He's actually looked pretty good. He's caught a second win in his career, but Poirier's pretty much better than him everywhere except for maybe the wrestling. But still, I expect him to keep the fight in the feet and probably knock Jim Miller out. Uh, Glover Teixeira returning for the very first time uh, since being knocked out. Uh, you mentioned uh, in the Korean zombie fight versus um, Dennis Bermudez, how often do we see a knockout with an uppercut? Well, there you go. Glover Teixeira uh, taking on Anthony Rumble Johnson. Anthony Rumble Johnson is just a beast murderer just crazy with those fists knocks out glover to share uh, glover obviously take i think that fight took place in august of last yep. year um so now you take a look at the fact that he's coming back now it is february he's taking on jared cannonier who sean rossap basically that is in the 15 i don't know if he's still there today but he's yeah, in the top 15 rankings because the division uh is so is he gone he got taken out someone who else got put in uh yeah lack of it's Volkan, yes, number 11. You're right. Okay. So yeah. Jared was in the top 15 when this fight got put together, but uh, obviously because the division isn't exactly uh, stellar and has a lot of depth. But he's taking on Glover Teixeira. Interesting to see where Glover's going to come out in this fight, how he's going to react. I don't think anything will change. Um, we'll see how tentative he is, but your thoughts? If the fight stays standing, Kanyer has a puncher's chance, no doubt about that. But having said that, I think Glover's a better boxer. I think he has more knockout power. And the biggest advantage he has is on, is on the ground. If, if he gets his fight to the ground, he's probably going to submit Kanyer pretty early. I like Glover a lot here, to be honest with you. I don't really like the matchup that much for Kanyer. I think he's going to get tapped out. Two days ago, Ronaldo Jacare Souza was a minus 500 favorite over Tim Boach. Now, as it stands right now, uh, as we're doing this podcast, he's minus 525. Uh, his... It continues to be an overwhelming favorite versus Tim Boach, the Barbarian. Uh, and everyone talks about how Tim Boach can some way, somehow pull it off in the third round like he did against Yushin Okami. But the reality is Jacare Souza is an absolute beast who could fight for this title tomorrow. Uh, your thoughts on this scrap? Yeah, I was talking to, about uh, this fight with, with a friend yesterday. I just, I just like – I know that I'm saying them because he's, he's like Tim Boach can knock him out. And I'm like, he could. You can say that about any, literally any fight. Jacare is an elite fighter in every fa- facet of the game. He can win this fight standing. He went on the ground. He's going to get Tim Boach to the ground. He's going to finish him by submission. That's my prediction. 
Derek Brunson's the favorite, minus 140 over Anderson Silva, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, plus 120. A, I would like your assessment of this fight. B, do you agree with these odds? I actually, um, well, here's the thing with the odds. Like, they're trying to set up action both ways, right? So they want people to bet on Brunson, and they want people to bet on Anderson. They just want to make money. Um, obviously, people are kind of thinking Brunson's going to win this one because he's staying as the favorite right now. But I'm on the opposite side. I think Anderson wins this fight, to be honest with you. I like Brunson. He's a good fighter, but he just is so over-aggressive in his fights, and he's going to probably walk in with his hands down, his chin high in the air, and Anderson's going to counter him and knock him out. I think this is actually a really good matchup for Anderson to, to get back in the win column with. So um, I got Anderson by first-round knockout. What does this win for Anderson Silva mean, though? If he does emerge victorious over Derek Brunson, what does the win mean um, for the Spider? Because this is a division yeah. that's sort of confusing with Michael Bisping at the top. I mean, Yoel Romero opened up a GoFundMe page. <laughs> that's all right. He opened up a GoFundMe page to take care of Michael Bisping's medical bills after they fight. That's amazing. Well, I just, I hate how Michael Bisping's holding the division hostage right now. It's absolute bullshit because there's guys waiting right now. Joel Romero's been waiting for like six months now or whatever. And Jocker Bay deserves a title shot. Luke Rockhold probably deserves another title shot. So Anderson, a win over, over uh, um, Brunson puts him in back in the top five or six. Get, it gets him a, maybe a rematch with Vitor Belfort. He goes in there and knocks him out again. Maybe it gets him a fight against Luke Rockhold or Chris Weidman. I'm not too sure, but uh, I just want to see him in good fights. And if he gets knocked out again, Joe, if he does get knocked out, because obviously Brunson does have KO power, it's up to him and to, if he wants to do it or not. He says he still has a passion for the sport, but if he gets brutally knocked out again, like he did against Weidman, I don't know if I really want to see him fight anymore, man. Because, like, if you look at some of the fighters he's lost to, Joe, they're elite guys. Brunson's not at the, at the elite level. That would kind of show where he's at right now. So I, I do hope he wins for all time's sake. Yeah, it's it's a, sort of a vintage thing. Uh, I think he does emerge victorious. I think, well, yeah. let, me, let me take that back. I wish I could just rewind that for a moment there. Mm. Not that I think he's going to emerge victorious. The problem with Anderson Silva, my personal opinion, is – I, I don't know which Anderson Silva shows up. I don't know what to trust. I don't know who to believe. I don't know anything anymore with this guy because as him being the greatest of all time, uh, and I firmly believe he is the greatest of all time, maybe 1A with George St. Pierre, but Anderson Silva, in my opinion, when he was in his prime, would just see fighting in slow motion. He was yeah. the Matrix. He was that guy that was just doing things at a, on a completely and different and other level. And then he just got so confident and so cocky and just like, I can do this whenever I want, however I want, to whoever I want. And then Chris Weidman, showed him otherwise. And then he realized hopefully he would have learned that lesson and he would have stopped screwing around. And then he comes back and he fights Chris Weidman and gets his leg shattered. Yes. Okay. Gets his leg shattered and then it takes more time off. And that is just in the prime of your career sort of thing. And he comes back and he's still messing around with people. And, you know, he had no business taking on uh, Daniel Cormier when you think about it, but kudos to him for stepping in there. But he goes through all these losses. And even against Michael Bisping, you can make the argument he won that fight. You just never know which Anderson Silva is going to show up. And you always want to look back and say, if this guy would just fight to hurt people, like Tyson used to fight to hurt people and win, we'd be having a different conversation today. Yeah. We'd have a, the mixed martial arts world would be in a different era. And anytime this guy would fight, it would be just legendary to watch him fight. But it is what it is. It is Anderson Silva. And, you know, I, 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 you know he's always been golden and genuine to me. So um, I definitely want to see him emerge victorious. But Derek Brunson wins. Derek Brunson wins. Now, the main event. Holly Holm taking on uh, Jermaine Durandami. The first time ever a women's champion at 145 pounds will be crowned. It's a division. Uh, you think light heavyweight is bad. This is a division that doesn't have anyone really unless people start jumping around from 135 pounds. If ladies start want to, wanting to move up and not really wanting to cut weight and being small in this division, uh, I, I will maintain that this is Cyborg's division, despite what uh, the, the, these two ladies, or at least one is actually, Jermaine is saying about Cyborg. But uh, this is Cyborg's division, and unless something happens, I don't know, but you know, your take A on this fight and B with this division. Uh, this this is like what WMIG, WME IMG wants to do. They want to have title fights on every pay-per-view card. That's what they want to do. They don't want to have any more non-title fights. So they had to create a title here. We all know this fight should be at 135. Maybe it should be a title eliminator or something. I don't know. But the fact that it's a, <laughs> for a title is kind of a joke. Having said that, I do like the matchup because it's two strikers going against one another, and they're both high-level strikers. Holly Holm, obviously, is known for that knockout against Ronda Rousey, but she comes from that boxing background. She has great kickboxing skills. Um, Jermaine Durandami comes from a Muay Thai background. She's looked pretty good in the UFC. She's destroyed some chicks. So it's a it's a fun matchup. Um, 
I, I, I lean towards Holly Holm to win this fight, though. I, I think that her experience in the five-round fights is going to play dividends in this fight. Jermaine, Jermaine's never been five rounds. Um, she's only been three a few times herself. So uh, I think Holly should probably be able to pick her apart here and, and win a close decision. Um, the biggest thing for me is just also, like, the level of opponents, level caliber opposition that they've each fought so far um, in MMA, not including their kickboxing or boxing background or Muay Thai background. If you look at Holly Holm, she's fought nothing but, like, elite fighters like Ronda Rousey, um, Misha Tate, she was winning that fight against Misha Tate, got caught with a minute left in a big shocking upset. She fought Valentina Shevchenko and everyone at the time said, oh man, she lost, she, she sucks now. And then you see now that Valentina is an absolute monster herself. So I don't think those losses are really that bad at all. And then you look at Jermaine, and I, I, and I was shocked when I saw this, but it's the truth. She's fought four fighters in the UFC. She lost once. She lost to Amanda Nunez. No shame in that really. But her three wins, Joe, Julie Kedzie is one of them. Anna Elmos and Larissa Pacheco. You know what the, the common thread between those three is? They're all retired from MMA now. They don't even fight in MMA anymore. She hasn't fought, She's not even fighting people that are active. The last fight she had was an absolute joke. That girl was like Adam Lee. She should have been 105 or something. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that she's really passed the test to really even warrant a title shot at all. But it should be a fun fight. Two strikers going at it. Holly Holm wins. She becomes the first ever woman to hold two belts in the UFC, which is pretty incredible. And I believe the fourth fighter after Randy, BJ, and Connor. So that'll be something for the history books. But uh, what does it mean when the title is kind of a joke and there's only two fighters in the division? I'm really curious to see how the rankings are going to look on Monday morning. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. If you think about it, uh, Amanda Nunes wants a shot at that belt already, mm-hmm. right? So she'll be a potential, uh, same thing as if Polly Holm does it, it'll be the same thing with Amanda. She will want to get uh, her hands on that strap as well. Anything else that you want to say before we let you go, sir? Nope. Just uh, thanks again, Joe, for having me on the podcast. If your listeners can follow me on Twitter at Martin and check out my new podcast, the MMA MMA review podcast. I broke down all the fights in the card. So I, there was a few of the prelims we didn't get a chance to talk about that I broke down the podcast. So please subscribe to that on iTunes. And again, Joe, thanks for having me on the podcast. Pleasure was absolutely mine. Thanks again. And glad to see that you made it through uh, the 45 minutes, 50 minutes here uh, on the podcast. Uh, you know, you're, you're under the weather. I know what that's like. I know how horrible it could be uh, in terms of sometimes doing a six to six and a half hour uh, event uh, and trying to play by play when you're sick and you're trying not to drink water or lemon water because you can't go to the bathroom when you're live on the air. Uh, you don't have a break to go to the bathroom and you pop in halls, you're popping fishermen's friends. So I know the feeling. So thank you very much. Uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching live. Uh, to those that are tuning in afterwards, thank you. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes, you can catch us uh, on Stitcher, obviously, fightfulmma.com uh, for all of your news. And you can follow yours truly anytime on social media, Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter at Showdown Joe. For now, enjoy your Thursdays. Tomorrow may have a special guest. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, follow me on social media, Facebook, and I'll see who it is. If I can confirm it, the minute I do, I will post it. But for now, enjoy your Thursdays. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.